Welcome back tonight. It's good to have you joining us for our midweek service here on Wednesday. Uh, tonight we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as we did last week, the resurrection chapter. We talked about a reason for our faith and a reason why we pray. And we get to understand more details about the resurrection here. Last week we saw that Jesus himself was the first fruits. He was the first one to, um, to be raised anew. We know other people were raised from the dead, some in the Old Testament and a few in the New Testament. Uh, but they would eventually die again. Jesus was the first uh, of the group to be raised to new life. In this passage, starting at verse um, 20, verse 35, we're going to look at what does the new body look like, or what is it like? What is the characteristics of the new body? <clears throat> this is a great truth. This is a great truth for believers. And it's one that uh, we take on because of the encouragement it brings us. Uh, this has been a tough year for us. and We've had a number in our family here who have gone to be with the Lord. And um, we, we sorrow with the loss, um, but we look to God for hope. And the hope that he brings us is what he has planned for us. And so we need to know this. We need to, we need to uh, recognize this, and we need to um, live in the hope of this truth. So the passage takes us at verse 35. That's where we're going to start today. But some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? So Paul is going to answer, he's going to ask the question that he thinks a lot of people are asking, and he's going to answer that question. Not so much how are they raised in, in terms of uh, what, does it, what happens or what power does God use to raise them. What he's going to answer is the question of, what kind of bodies do they have when they are raised? So let's take a look at these verses here. <clears throat> he starts off by saying, You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. So what he's saying is, don't mock the death as any kind of evidence or proof that there won't be a resurrection. I remember as a, as a boy thinking, well, my dad was a preacher, and I was thinking, Dad, you preach that believers will live forever. Well, how come we have funerals for believers? And Paul is explaining the process of what happens. I like what Jesus said, if you remember the passage, I think it's John 12, um, 24. If, if my memory serves me correct, I'll just turn uh, there quickly to see if I have the right one. <clears throat> yeah, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Talking about a grain of wheat, he's talking about seed. What do you do with seed? You bury it. What an analogy. You bury the seed 
and you never see the seed again. It dies. It comes up in a whole different form. And that's what Paul is talking about. Our physical bodies that we have now will be transformed into something else. They, these bodies will die or be completely changed and they will come up into new, entirely new bodies. And that's the process that he begins to, to speak on. <clears throat> he says, what you sow is not the body that is to be, this is in verse 36, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. So he begins to say, to talk about just the basic fact of the seed has to go into the ground, it dies, and then it brings forth fruit that is characteristic of what it is, or what it was, but a whole different a whole different uh, being, a whole different thing, a whole different body, a whole different development. It's not the seed that you will see. And, and Paul's making this point. As different as the seed is from the mature plant is as, as different as the old body is from the new, from the resurrected body. It's completely changed. It's completely different. He's also, I think there's a hint here as well that you're going to have some variety there. He says, um, God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. He goes to this point, let's read it. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind of humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There's one kind of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. And the stars differ from star in glory. Um, stars differ from stars in glory. He's, he's using the glory to talk about the brilliance and the brightness of the star. And there are stars that have appeared differently to us in the sky. Some are brighter than others. And he's saying, so it is going to be. Um, with resurrected bodies. To me, there's a hint that there's a little difference there. There, there, there's, there, there may be some, some differences there. Um, <clears throat> verse 42, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Now that, that phrase spiritual body has been confusing to some because they, they seem to be contrasting terms. Spiritual and body. How do you have a spiritual body? What he's talking about is a resurrected body or new body. And it's, it's, it's totally different than the old body. The old body that we have, the shell that we have right now, is going to be completely transformed to a new, it's called a spiritual body. In other words, the body of the spiritual realm. It's a different body. And we can look at Jesus and kind of get a, a sense for that. We know that uh, Jesus had to make himself known to, to others that they didn't immediately recognize him. Um, um, for one, they weren't expecting to see him. 
but there was there was a there was there was a there was a difference in in his body. We don't know all the details of that, but we do know that it's difference. I, I, I said there's a hint there that um, there's different brilliances and different um, there's some uniquenesses, um, and it kind of suggests to me that. Um, <clears throat> um, God is going to show some variety <laughs> in this creation. So um, what, what has been planted will yield fruit after its kind. And um, yet God is going to, to, to do it as he pleases. You know, the first body, you didn't get to pick either, did you? You know, you didn't choose what kind of hair you wanted, what kind of height you were going to be, your body type, and, and all those things, what color. None of us chose any of that, and we don't. Now, I know there's these people who think they're brilliant, that they can put this all together and get in some laboratory and make up something, and that's science fiction, and it's nonsense. Uh, it just doesn't happen. God is doing this creation, and it's still his choice and his being, his doing. But it kind of hints to me that God's going to do that again in, 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 the, in, the, in the eternal world. And, and it also kind of hints, I know I'm, I'm, I'm running a little bit on this passage, but that serve and be fervent to God because he is, because how you serve here, that body that's going to be planted has something to do with the one that's going to be resurrected. The, the seed has some relation to the plant. And so um, there's a sense of, of um, what you do here is not in vain. The Bible always, already tells us that. Um, um, be not deceived. God is not mocked. What a man sows or what a person sows, that's, that's what he will reap. Um, and when we reap um, when we sow the things of eternal, uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, we, we reap those kind of things back. And so I can't help but thinking that some of that plays into what God does in this, in this resurrection. But the point that he makes here is in verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. There's a stark a contrast between what we are now to what we're going to be in eternity what our bodies are going to be like he doesn't go into detail but he's saying it's going to be vastly improved and vastly different because of what it came from <clears throat> verse 44 it is on a natural body it is raised a spiritual body if there is a natural body there's also a spiritual body paul says this truth is dynamic as just as much as you can pinch yourself now and feel it because you have a real body, you will have a real body that's vastly different than the one you have right now in eternity. You will exist in eternity in that um, glorified body. Verse 45, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. So he goes through the order of things. This is the order of creation. The seed comes first and plant afterwards. That's the way he has had things produced. Um, our natural comes first and then 
that which is eternal. So we haven't seen it yet. We don't know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be amazing. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the first man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. As is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. That is exciting. That is the hope. That is the encouragement. That is the truth that we understand and we embrace that we will be like Christ. We're not given a, a full detailed description of what Christ was like. We know when he met with his disciples after his resurrection, it says the doors were all closed and he came into the room. So he's not bound by the physical limitations that we are bound. We know in heaven, the Bible says, we'll, there'll be no more sickness, no more death. No more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. Um, we can't even relate to that. This COVID crazy world um, uh, is afraid of a mere cough today because of sickness and, and the impact that can have on our body. But the Bible says that will not be anywhere in God's kingdom anymore, and our bodies won't be subject to that. We have here those who study the body, those who uh, are medical in the medical field, and they understand, long to understand more how the body works. And the psalm tells us that we're fearfully, wonderfully made. We are, our bodies right now are amazing, and we spend, uh, we, have, we have medical uh, uh, experts that still don't understand the link between everything. They certainly don't understand the link between the physical the mental, the physical, and the spiritual. They don't understand all about the physical itself. Um, and so because our bodies are wonderfully made, I'll have a scar on my knee that I got from working around the house of this week, and it just shows you that, hey, even at my age, my body still works. It still heals itself. There is not a man-made thing that does that today. Um, God made us wonderfully. If these bodies are made that way, think about the new creation that God has in store for us. So it helps us take death into a different perspective in that it is truly our loss when a loved one dies, but it is truly their gain. And they have now come into um, what God has for them, where they will soon understand and experience all that God has for them in, in that resurrected body. But Paul deals with this section to, to let us know it's a reality. And we need to know about it um, because it gives us hope. A hope that what God's word is true and a hope that we have something to look forward to that is far greater than all that we experience today. Because of that, we can pray. We can pray because God's word is true. God's plan is amazing. His, the portion that he has for us is, is there and is for us. So we just pray, Lord, help us to endure this time now. Give us the strength. Give us what we need. Give us this day our daily bread so that we can be faithful in serving you all the days that you've given to these bodies here in this life until you take us to be with you.
afternoon, saints. It's good to be back with you guys again. Now for our meditation, we're going to be continuing in the Gospel of John. In the sixth chapter, remember that Jesus had fed the people. He had taken five loaves of bread and some fish, and he had fed a multitude of several thousand. And after this, he walked on water, and so the crowds were all over him. And he came to them, and he asked them, and he challenged them. He said, you came after me because you ate the food. But that's really not why you should be pursuing me. You should be pursuing me because I have eternal life. And they wanted him to do a miracle in front of him, and he said, I'm not going to do any miracle. You need to do the work, believe the work that I've already done. And so we have in this crowd a mixed group. We have those who truly believe. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this story um, recaptured in Scripture, right? So we have those who believe. We have those who seek to be entertained. They love seeing the miracle. They want to see him do something else so they can say they saw it. We got those who have no intention of believing. They just are there because the crowd is there. And then we have Jesus, who seems in many ways to not like the crowd in the sense that he doesn't want to be fouled just because there is a crowd. It kind of reminds me of the Yogi, Yogi Berra statement, uh, we don't go there anymore. Nobody goes there. It's too crowded. Um, the thought going is that, you know, people, Jesus doesn't like a crowd that's just there because it's a crowd. He doesn't want to be a fad. And so Jesus told him to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and then we get to verse 52. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As a living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? And what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who, would, who those were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after this, many of the disciples turned back, and no longer walk with him. 
So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he was one of the twelve and was going to betray him. Keep in mind, these are disciples, right? Many of his disciples, his followers, they didn't like the saying that he said. He said, if you want to be with me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, the Catholic Church <laughs> has turned this passage into something a little bit different. They say that communion actually becomes his body and his flesh. And we understand that that is not the case. But Jesus was saying something. What was he saying about eating his flesh and drinking his blood? Okay, becoming one with him. What else? In what way is Jesus our food and drink? Hmm? He's the source of life right? So what does it mean to take in Jesus, his flesh and his blood? Yeah, what does it mean? He says, eat it. Drink it. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sustain ourselves off his flesh and blood and we get his flesh and blood. Let's put it this way. Jesus, if we're going to eat a chicken, that chicken's got to be killed, right? It's going to be killed for us. And when we eat of Jesus, we are allowing, we are saying, Lord, you killed him for us, right? We're saying you killed Jesus for us. And if he wasn't allowed to be killed, we wouldn't have life. What does it mean to say that you're too good to eat the flesh and blood of Jesus? That is to say, I have enough power of myself to give myself life. Isn't that what it's saying? I don't need that. There's other ways. There's other ways to go. I don't need this flesh. I don't need this blood. Right? The whole thought of it is, is that I sustain myself and really you think about it, that gets to the heart of what the problem is with the Jew or the Jew is just a representative of self-righteousness, right? I can save myself. I can do enough. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I one day woke up and realized I needed God. I didn't need it to be fed to me. I got it myself. Yep. And so it's important for us to recognize our dependency on Jesus Christ. But the reason that they didn't understand it is because they were stuck on themselves and they were stuck on this idea that Jesus wasn't that great. Jesus couldn't be that great because we knew him. He grew up with us. Remember, look at this whole passage again. It says, who is this? Verse 42, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say I have come down from heaven? 
52. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus says, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? In other words, they have a problem because they can't think that they need salvation from a man. They don't think that any other man can help them. And that's part of what Christianity is all about, is understanding the nature of Jesus. He couldn't help us unless he is 100% two things. And what are they? God and man. We all need a man to help us. And we must recognize that. A fellow man helped us and saved us. He died for us. If he were to walk into this room, he wouldn't seem all that much more different than any of us. A fellow man, we have to humble ourselves and say, not this miraculous picture of glowing God, but a man had to die on a cross for our sins. But then also, he knows our hearts because he is fully God. And I think the hard thing, people, see, we, I think we skip over this a lot because we don't put ourselves in those people's shoes, is that we forget that they just were around Jesus who might cough. He might sneeze. He might trip over a stone. And they have to recognize that this man is the only way to salvation. And they had to humble themselves. That's humbling, right? I just argued with Jesus the other day. And now I have to be saved by him? I saw Jesus grow up. I got to be saved by this guy? I think we forget that that's a stomach stone. We think to ourselves, if I was there and I saw his miracles, of course I would believe. Would you? Because Jesus says a prophet doesn't have honor except out of, in his own household, in his own city. We despise what we become too familiar with. And Jesus and the Jews had that problem. And I think we have to thank God because we don't have to jump over that hurdle. We only know Jesus is God. But it's really important for us to understand that he's also man. And we're not saved unless we understand both, right? Amen. Let me correct that. It's not that we understand it. It's we're not saved unless Jesus is 100% man and God. You could have a false understanding of salvation and still be saved. Just like you could think babies come from storks and still be born, right? But if you want to know how salvation works, that's how it works. Good evening, everybody. Today, what I want to focus on for prayer is just more of a prayer of praise time. Um, to really just focus on um, God's provision. Uh, so what I would like to do is, um, Grandma Holt, if you could pray for, pray for you know, Thanksgiving for God's provision for our church. Um, I, I know Pastor had said it, you know, we went through COVID. People weren't working. People were losing their jobs. But God still maintained our church. Our offering didn't seem to go down at all. You know, he continued to provide. Um, and Jamar, can you pray for just God's provision for the saints? You know, we had people getting laid off their jobs and you know a lot of the people in the church we were still working we were all still here and then also you know we we got hit we've been hit by some deaths in the church but we've also been hit by god's provision mrs kenner who um got the clear from the the the, the cancer um so he has been 
he has been providing for his people as well. So if you want to pray for that, and then I'll close up. Our Father God, we want to thank you for your mercy and your grace and for your power and love and strength that sustains us, Lord, during these difficult, difficult, difficult times. We thank you for this church and the leadership that you've given us here, Pastor and his wife and our deacons and their families and those faithful few that you have left here on this corner that you have kept financially, spiritually, and physically. So, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. It's not that we have done, but it's you who abstains us and keeps us and give us a heart and a mind to serve you in obedience. So we just pray for this church. We pray for those who are sick up in age. We think of Bob and Mardine. We think of Cliff and Joyce. We think of Lola, Lord. We think of uh, Dale's wife. And we think of Donna. We think of uh, just all of those, Lord, who, who are, have different kind of things, but your hand of mercy upon us because you've kept us this far and you'll, kept, you'll keep us until you bring us home. So we thank you, Lord, that we could depend on you. Our finances here, you have been merciful towards us in every aspect of our lives, Lord. Even though I lost Mac, whom I loved so much, you have still kept me. And I know that he is absent from the body and present with you. That's a great comfort to me, to know that Mac is with you. So, Lord, I pray for others who are striving with hurts. Uh, the, uh, the lady that went and lost her mother that's come back, Lord. Pray for them as well. Pray for Mickey, who asked for prayer about James, Lord, and uh, that he may be coming home. They're going to take him off the medication tonight, and if his body works properly, he'll be home. That's where she's at, cleaning up his home so he'll have a place to come home to. So, Lord, we thank you that you have kept all of us and that you will keep us until you call us home. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Lord, thank you for everything you've done for us, dear Lord. Just thank you for your providing, your maintaining us during this COVID time, especially, dear Lord, as there have been many that were laid off and um, did not have sources of income and just was desperate to provide for themselves. But you provided and maintained this church, dear Lord. Just thank you for that. Uh, we did not have uh, any that lost jobs during this time, dear Lord. And uh, you have maintained those that got sick with the COVID and brought them back, dear Lord back to 100% health, the Lord, and just thank you for being such a loving and wonderful God to provide and maintain, the Lord. Just thank you for the church finances in all of this that did not take a hit. We still are giving. We still are providing for the church and giving what we're supposed to and even above and beyond. And I just pray right now just for the roof fund that will maintain to uh, give to that and to provide for that and take care of this church in the physical sense, the Lord. And just thank you just for everything else you have for us in the rest of this year, Lord. We have three months left in this year, three, four months left in the year. And just pray that we may continue to realize you are in charge of everything and you are have a plan for all of this. There are no surprises to you. We just need to have our faith in you for everything, the Lord. Thank you again for everything. In the name of St. Jesus, amen. Lord, we continue in prayer. We just continue to lift up and praise you for um, the provision for the church and the saints. I know sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the stresses of our lives and the things that don't seem to be going well, Lord, and we sometimes might overlook all the great things you, are, you have done and are doing for us, Lord, and we just praise you for that. We praise you for providing for the church during this time when uh, churches were closed. We didn't have people coming in the doors, but people continued to give and give generously, Lord. We started the Roof Fund, um, Lord, and we've been having people give above their normal tithe to that, Lord, and just how 
the people have been stirred up, Lord, but you have ultimately been providing for us and providing for this ministry. And we know it's, it's from you, Lord. And we just think of um, during this time people who um, may have been out of work or those um, a lot in our city and in our, in our nation that weren't working, Lord, but you continue to provide for your people. You continue to provide for them financially and um, how you've allowed that to be a means that people can continue to provide for this church, Lord. We just praise you for that, Lord. And we also praise you for um, people in the church who have been dealing with health maladies, Lord, that you have come in and um, put your healing hand upon them, Lord, answered the many prayers of the saints um, for that, Lord. And um, I even think of at, at my job, Lord, that there's been people who are very sick, Lord, that you brought through the, those sicknesses, Lord, and they're back with us again, Lord, and much prayers for the saints that you answered and you listened, Lord. And we just thank you. We just thank you for being a God that we know hears our prayers and we know provides for us and cares for us, Lord. You are a Lord that died for us, Lord. So these things, these small things are nothing for you, Lord. And we know that you just, out of your undying love for us, Lord, that you continue to just provide. And we just praise you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.